Welcome to RadioMVP.com, the football show with Matt Emps and Tim Continenza as we're going to have some fun talking football with you here tonight. Uh, we missed you last week. Some personal issues got in the way for me and some other things going on, but we're back this week talking football and high school football. Week number seven just ended, Matt, as uh, we get to look forward to two games in week eight, but we've seen a terrific game at Mollenkopf in week seven between Bourbon Spartans and the Harding Raiders and really entertaining game. I, I thought a, a kind of a, a game of three different um, situations or three different peaks in the games. Yeah. Um, Harding looked like they were in a lot of trouble. As you know, the first half, they, they uh, were down by a few scores and, and we talked at halftime about, you know, for their sake, what, you know, hopefully their coaches were doing and then if they were making any adjustments and they couldn't seem to uh, do anything on offense and stop the quarterback O'Hara from Boardman. Uh, but they did make adjustments. And as we saw in the first half of that game, uh, Boardman and their offensive line dominated the defense of Harding. Second half, that's the same thing Harding did. They did what they had to do and they tied the game up at 21. And uh, they, you know, unfortunately used two timeouts uh, to you and I, our, our confusion. There was no reason for it. And uh, at the end of the game, uh, as you know, Boardman scored, went up 28-21. And uh, with 33 seconds left in one timeout, Harding just ran out of time. Yeah, you know, and not too uh, critical here of Harding. Other than the timeouts that you mentioned, I thought, you know, they're one and four coming to that game. They're now one and five. And, you know, that's the first opportunity you and I got to see them. But one of the things that stuck out in my mind is their confusion at what their identity is at quarterback because they used three different quarterbacks. You know, they had Frazier, who was their backup to start the season, became their starter because of injuries. They ended up using uh, Chu. Uh, in the second quarter, and in the third quarter, they went more of a wildcat and using the running back Adams at quarterback, and they had some, maybe the most successful part of this of the game at quarterback, and it was kind of running that that speed option with uh, with Washington, who had a big second half. Matter of fact, uh, he had almost a hundred yards in the third quarter. Yeah, they really turned it on. Um, you know, I mean, for their sake they're going to really have to decide on a quarterback because they have no identity at offense in that position, which, I mean, that's the general. I mean, he has to understand, you know, I'm the guy, this is who they're going to depend on. If you have, you know, the thought process of there's three guys every week, each one of them is looking over their shoulder. You're going to have no continuity. You're going to have guys that have no faith in their coaching and uh, none in their system. And, you know, you go into a game thinking, okay, well, we have this game plan. This is how we feel we're going to be able to attack this defense. And then the first sign of something negative, they yank the one quarterback and they try the next one. That's going to give confidence issues to all of them, and it's going to affect their play mentally. So, um I think they should have just decided to stick with what was working in that second half and not change it at all. 
they obviously, Tim, you and I know, have a severe issue with passing. There is no way in, in Ohio and in Northeast Ohio that you can have a successful football team and not have any type of passing game at all because there are amazing defenses just about, I mean, in any state, but here, you know, a yeah. lot of teams have yeah. their hat on defense and they're going to shut down the running game. And if you don't have a pat, even a halfway decent passing game to rely on, you're not going to win any games. And as we've seen, they've won one game and, um, you know, they're, they're in big trouble the rest of the season. And, you know, I, I feel bad for the seniors and, you know, those boys that have worked really hard, but, um, you know, they've got some things to figure out at, at Harding right now. Yeah. You know, and quite honest with you, I mean, Harding has you know, a lot of pride in their football program over the years. As you know, uh, they have been a state power at times and, you know, Steve Arnold actually has done a terrific job there as head coach. I mean, previously he was the basketball coach and did a great job, moved over a few years ago to the football program and helped turn that around. Obviously, this year is a setback for them record-wise. Uh, they haven't got into the end zone as much as they would like, but you see the skill positions. You know, you've seen that, you know, Wilson with the uh, 75-yard touchdown on the punt return. You've seen uh, – you know, Washington running the ball. You've seen Adams running the ball. They do have some skilled positions. And I think the second half of this, you know, the last four games of the season or last three games, you know, weeks eight, nine, and ten, for them, uh, if they just can get a positive attitude and work towards next year, even if your seniors are graduating, you know, I want to see – you want to see them go out, you know, on a good foot and uh, on a positive season. And I think – quite honest with you, I, it's going to be difficult for them, but I do believe there's enough talent on that team to do it. But I agree with you, the deficiency in the passing game is something difficult for them to overcome. Yeah, and it's very, you know, after seeing what they did, you know, when they were playing together as a team against Boardman, they can finish out and win some games, which would be wonderful for the seniors to go out knowing that, you know, hey, we did turn it around. Uh, we, we did not throw it in and, and tank it after that loss and let it affect us. We kept working for it. You know, I mean, you look at the one receiver. I don't remember his name, number 11, 6'5", 200 pounds. You and I kept saying, I mean, you know, Jackson. even if yeah, even if you don't have a great passing game at six foot five in high school, if you just throw him the ball in his vicinity, more times than not, he's going to go up above any other defender on that other on Boardman's team. And, and you know, if not catch the ball, maybe draw a flag. And they weren't even giving him the ability. They maybe threw him two passes during the whole game. Um, I think he's a junior, though, so they have some, some work to do with him. But, uh, you know, I, I hope for them that those kids can turn it around and at least win a few more games. Uh, Boardman, on the other hand, um, they, you know, as we know, they lost their top offensive weapon um, to knee injury a couple weeks, two, three weeks ago against uh, Steubenville. And, uh, you know, in fact, I believe they were winning that game 21-20 and he blew out his knee and they just, they just went downhill after that. Watching them against Harding, though, you know, that quarterback, O'Hara, who was our MVP of the game, had a monster game. 
Uh, he has some great wheels on him. He's powerful. He's strong. He's a junior as well. Uh, he has a lot of potential. That offensive line anchored in the middle by um, oh geez, I just went I just went blank. Uh, what his name was, and I should know his name because I'm friends with his dad. He was one of my. <laughs> I don't have the roster in front of me, so I can't yeah, help you there. Yeah, I apologize to everybody out there right now. And oh, Bob Toth. Oh, okay. Uh, you know he they, their offensive line looked really good. You know we had talked about. Uh, a little undersized for Boardman. Usually you expect them to have a lot bigger line. Um, their, their tackles both were about 6'2", 6'3", um, but their interior wasn't as big as you'd expect it. But they played really strong. They played really well. They dominated. Um, the, the Jennings, the running back who had taken over for um, – uh, can you recall the, the kids? In who got say, somebody, I think – in, in Cursier or something like that? Yeah, it's a difficult name to pronounce. He he uh, took over, Jennings took over for him and did a really good job the other night. Uh, so Boardman, you know, you, you heard them after that game. They were so pumped up. I mean, you win a game like that, you know, when up and down, struggle, and you have to fight tooth and nail to get a win. Hey, you feel great after a win like that. So, you know, that could really lift them up. And they, you know, as you said, during the game that night, as of right now, or that uh, Friday night, they were ranked number seven in the computer poll. So uh, yeah. and very well that they could still make the playoffs. And and it's, it's in their hands to see how they, uh, you know, go the rest of the year. Well, let's do this. Now you brought up the computer points. We are and we just completed week seven, so each week gets more magnified. Let's take a look at each division and the regions that really uh, matter to uh, Northeast Ohio, meaning our our area in the Mahoning Valley, Mahoning and Trumbull, and Columbiana counties. And uh, you go to first division one, region one. And you look at the top eight that can make the, the playoffs. Right now, the top four, five teams control their own destiny. Basically, if they win, they're going to be in. And that is St. Ignatius, St. Edwards, Canton McKinley, Mentor, and Euclid. Not a surprise to hear those five names, schools, uh, at the top of the region. St. Ignatius with the 25 average and Euclid at number five at 16. Here's the interesting part here for the Mahoning Valley. The Austintown Fish Falcons uh, are now at four and three on the season with an average of 8.3571. They are 10th in the region. They have to get to number eight, where Maslin Perry is at, who is six and one with a 13.85. Uh, they're not mathematically eliminated. They definitely have an opportunity. They're going to have to win out and accumulate some points along the way. And do have their big matchup against Borman, I believe, in Week 10. So Austintown has an opportunity to maybe get some major points with a win like that, and we'll have to wait and see. But looking at that region, uh, you got Stowe, uh, Monroe Falls at 6, Jack Maslin Jackson at 7, and Maslin Perry at 8, Solon at 9, and Austintown Fitch at 10. The top 8 make the playoffs. So that's the way Division One Region 1 matches up here as we talk about that a little bit. 
Yeah, and then you have that Boardman-Fitch matchup, which for as long as you and I have been around, Tim has been a big rivalry over the years. They've had some amazing games. And, uh, you know, as we discussed Friday night, you know, it's really cool seeing these old SEC rivalries keep going. And uh, to hear that Boardman-Fitch game going is, is always, you know, usually a good game. And Boardman will be coming off a, a big high from that Harding win. And I, I think Fitch won last week as well. So, yeah, they did. Uh, yeah. They came so. away with a dime that was important for them. So, you know, they're four and three like Boardman, and they're going to need to uh, continue to win and accumulate points. And hopefully the schedule will work their way too with more wins. Now, if we move to Division Two, Region Five, the top three teams control their own destiny. That is, Archbishop Hoban from Akron, Barberton, Hudson, and uh, are the three teams that control their own destiny. They're one, two, and three in the in the region. Befford, uh, Cleveland Benedictine, Lynnhurst Bush is at six. Mentor Lake Catholic is at seven, and Mayfield's at eight. And Lakeside from Ashtabula comes in at eleven, uh, who's of course part of the. All-American Gold Conf or Gold Division and Warren G. Harding comes in at 16, who basically, uh, for all pers- all sense and purposes, probably is not going to be in the playoff uh, pitcher in Region 5. But it is interesting to see that uh, Lake- Lakeside from Ashtabula has that opportunity. And then if you go to, let me check my uh, notes here, uh, Region 7, in Division Two, that is the one Borb is in, and Columbus uh, Walnut controls their own destiny. They're number one with Columbus Miffin, followed by Washington uh, Maslin Washington at three, Ashland at four, New New Alb- Albany, excuse me, at five, uh, Canal Winchester at six, and Borb is still at number seven, but has it completely to themselves. And Licking Heights coming in at eight. Borman has a 9.6912 average. They have 26 level one points and 58 and a half points on level two with an average of a, a 9.6971. So they definitely uh, are in good position with that win over Harding. Maybe they didn't get a lot of second secondary points because Harding only has the one win. But maybe Harding can help them out the rest of the season as they're hanging on to the the seventh spot through seven weeks of the uh, playoff hunt. Yeah, they, they've definitely got a, a hope that any team that they beat, you know, finishes out and, and gives them any extra points and hope that any of those teams ahead of them lose some game. Now, if we move to uh, Region 9 and Division 3, Canfield is on top of that region, Matt, as they have an average of 20 and a half points. With uh, Talmadge, Buckeye Alliance, East Notre Dame Cathedral Latin, and St. Vincent St. Mary's from Akron, and Chardon is your top eight there. And locally, that's about it. A couple teams, oh, Howland comes in at number 12 at four and three. So they have a lot of teams to jump. So it may be difficult for Howland to make that run the second, the last three weeks of the season. But you look at Canfield holding up the top spot. Uh, undefeated at 7-0, and and uh, Vinny Figuerenza is their leader at quarterback, has done a terrific job as uh, they continue to win each and every week. 
yeah, they have really dominated every team they basically played all year. Um, you know, they handed it to Struthers, their first loss, who everyone thought might be the, you know, top team out of the, at least that area between those two. And uh, they really took it to them. And now it's looking like, um, you know, Canfield and Gerard are, are two of the most powerful teams in the area. Uh, obviously, there's some other good ones, but, you know, those two really stand out right now. They're just really just cutting a swath through everybody that they play. And now, speaking of, of uh, the Indians from Gerard, we're talking about Division Four, Region 13 there, and that is Mahoning Valley's Pride and Joy Division. What I mean by that is all the teams with history in the playoffs are there and are doing really well showing up. As uh, you have Poland at number three in the uh, conference at 7-0. Matter of fact, the top three teams are all undefeated at 7-0. Steubenville is at 19.77. Perry is at 14.42. And Poland is at 13.49. Or excuse me, 13.45. 7-1 is total. And they control their own destiny. And coming in at number six is Gerard, as you mentioned. Coming in at number eight at the last playoff spot is Struthers. At nine is Salem. At 10 is Cardinal Mooney. And at 13 is Hubbard. So this is a jam-packed uh, division. And uh, just to let you know, Matt, uh, not to knock you down, but uh, Ursuline comes in at number 19 in the in that uh, ratings there in Region 13 this week. So, uh, But like I said, this is the uh, the black and blue division in a sense in our in our area as uh, this region here is power packed with some great football teams. It is. And, you know, it usually it, this year is an aberration. Both Ursuline and Mooney are really struggling this year. Ursuline is having maybe the worst season that they've had maybe in probably 75 years. Um, I honestly, I'm not just over exaggerating or embellishing. I, in my lifetime, have never seen them taking this kind of uh, a beating by teams. Uh, my only consolation is is Mooney struggling, and they lost this past weekend as well. Yeah, they did. They lost 10-9 to 9, uh, Saturday afternoon, so you're right. And But, you know, they're hanging in there. We'll have to wait and see. That's mm -hmm. the big matchup this week. Matter of fact, I believe it's the Holy Week this week, the Holy War between Mooney and Ursuline. Yeah, and you know what, Ursuline could really, you know, one thing, even though their season has gone so horrible, the one thing for both those schools, if they can win that game, that at least gives them something that they can take away from the season with pride. And, you know, that's what they'll be playing for this year, to beat Ursuline or Mooney and take that chalet lead of their school. Absolutely. There's no question about it. When you talk about rivalries, beating your rival, on uh, any given year is is a huge thing and in a year maybe where you're not performing to the level of expectations uh to at least say you beat your your number one and most important rival is a uh, is a thing that all students will take uh every year well uh, you know there's one win you're gonna have you gotta have that win right yeah big time tim and you know what else another thing in in ursuline uh for them they beat Mooney not only getting that shillelagh at the school and, and knowing that they have that feather this year of beating them, but that 
beat if they could beat Mooney, that could be the one loss that makes sure that Mooney also was out of the playoffs. So that could oh, there's be there's no question about it. Double whammy if they can do it. They're gonna have oh, to put no- their butts off though. Oh yeah, it's not gonna be easy. Nothing's ever handed to you on the football field, as you know. Mm-hmm. We move to division five now, region seventeen. And South Range on top, all by themselves, no one even close to them. As South Range is 7-0 on the season with a 16.0286 average, 31 first-level points, 116 second-level points. And number two comes Grand Valley from Orville, and they are at 10.36, a full six points ahead of them on average so it's you can basically put south range right now not just in the playoffs but as a predominant number one seed in that region yeah man south range is on fire right now they're playing so well that win over sharon was a monstrous win for them not only did them winning that game was big but just in the fashion that they beat them i mean they just flat out dominated them so uh you know south range the only knock on them through the years is not that they have a good program it's not that they don't have good uh players it's that they they tend to unfortunately choke in the playoffs and hopefully that win against Sharon uh kind of shows their medal this year and and you know we really want to see you know teams do well in the playoffs and i i hope they 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 do and they open that new stadium this year and you know how it is Tim in football you you get a new set of gigs and a new uniform and kids you know re- respond to that man so that could really help them out there's no question. Hey, one other team to report from the region, Region 17, is LeBray comes in at 4-3 and three on the season with a 5.6714 average, and they are ninth in the region, one spot off the playoffs with three weeks to go. So a lot of opportunity for them if they can win out and get some help from their schedule from the, some of the teams they've defeated this year for second-level points. They're right on the verge of possibly uh, making this uh, dance, as they like to say in uh, in the NCAAs. But you know, to make the playoffs would be huge for the LeBray Vikings. We've seen them a couple of times this year. They're a good, entertaining t- school. They have a lot of good players, and, and it would be uh, an interesting matchup if uh, LeBray can sneak into the playoffs and if they can actually avoid – South Range the first round and maybe get them in the second round, that would be a huge uh, thing for the Valley. Yeah, would. Um, you want to see as many as possible in there. And as you said, we saw them twice and they have the ability to play really well. They, uh, you know, just came up short in their loss to JFK in, in the uh, overtime game with them. And then they uh, played Liberty and, you know, kind of went through a buzzsaw there. But they have players that can do it. And if they can, uh, you know, find their identity, they could they could do pretty well, you know, the rest of the year. And, and you know, they the last two seasons had made the playoffs, so they definitely want to keep that streak going and go a third year in a row. Oh, there's no question. As we move on now to Division Six, Region Twenty One, you're looking at Mogadors at the top of the region at six and zero. Norway comes in at number two. Rootstown from Trumbull County, 7-0 on the season with a 13.7851 average. They control their own destiny. So 
you got to give it up to the G-Man. They have a great opportunity to make the playoffs and uh, maybe even get a home game in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, that'd be really good for them. I mean, that's not a team that I'm, you know, used to hearing in, in the, you know, talk of stronger programs in the area. So it's really nice to hear when teams that, you know, are not synonymous with winning like that start to do well. And uh, we definitely want to wish them the best of luck. Uh, Berlin Western Reserve comes in at number six with a 9.2143 average. McDonald, the Blue Devils, come in at 9.1786 at number seven. And Columbiana, the Clippers, come in at number 10 with an 8.2929 average. And Youngstown Liberty at five and two is number 12 in the in region at 6.75. So they're going to need some help from their schedule. And they're going to have to continue to win and hope some of the teams above them maybe slip up a little bit because it would be it would be exciting to see uh, Mr. Dre Rushton in the playoffs. Yeah, we've seen them twice. Uh, the first game we saw them, uh, he had a had a decent game, but this second one we saw him playing against um, against LeBray. He really went off and had a great game, and they had a monster game last week, winning fifty five nothing. I forget who they played. Um, but he had a monster game, and it seems like they're really finding their own right now and uh, definitely have, you know, their rest of their season in their own hands. And, you know, they and they're the final game of the year with their rival in Girard, which that is definitely going to be, you know, I would assume. It might be a make-or-break game for Liberty because uh, just if – Gerard continues their undefeated way. They'll be 9-0. and And if you could de- beat a Gerard, if you're a Liberty, that's huge second-level points because you're going to get nine victories from that one win. And, you know, that really will come down to maybe them making or missing the playoffs because that will – they're going to have to win out probably, and they're going to need some of their teams that are on their schedule to win. And – you know, the strongest one they face is Gerard. So that will be a huge, huge battle in week number 10. Yeah, it will. It's funny. You, I was literally just going to say make or break game. So great minds think alike, Tim. Um, they, they definitely will have to play their best against Gerard. And you know what? With the way Liberty's been playing these last few weeks, Gerard better not overlook them because they'll get shocked. Oh, there's no question about it. This is where... I think coaching uh, plays a big part to keep your team focused. You want them feeling great about what they achieve, but you want them also to be ready for each and every week and not overlook any any opponents because uh, you don't want to slip up this time of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is really a slippery slope of the year. And, you know, everybody, you know, family and friends and people around town are smacking you on your back and telling you how great you're doing. And you're reading your press clippings in the in the newspaper and, uh, you know, everything's going great. And you're at the restaurants and everybody's smiling and, hey, good job, you got to ignore it, man. Take each week as as it comes and not look ahead and uh, just focus. And like you said, you hit the nail right on the head. It's all up to coaching now. And you keep your guys focused, you'll see who goes farthest in the playoff. Well, one last division to look at. That is Division 7, Region 25, the smallest schools 
in Ohio. Uh, Dalton is leading the the, uh, the region with a 7-0 record. They have a 13.1429 average. Kygo Heights coming in second. East Canton third. And Lisbon David Anderson comes in at fourth. Now, here we're talking about some of the schools locally, as there's a bunch of them all bunched together here, Matt. As you got Valley Christian from Youngstown comes in at number five. You have Wyndham from Trouble County. They are at six. John F. Kennedy, three and four. Right now would make the playoffs at number seven seed with a 5.2619 average. And Toronto from Columbiana holds on to the number eight spot with a 4.857 average. Newberry is in at number nine. And Matthews from Trouble County is in at 10. Uh, Very competitive region here. And there's a few other schools locally, but they look like they would be a, a, a kind of a reach to make the playoffs. But you look at that top 10 mat, uh, schools, you know, starting with Matthews at number 10, Toronto at 8, John F. Kennedy at 7, Wyndham at 6, Valley Christian at 5. Four or five schools are there for the uh, Mahoning Valley that looks like they're going to be representative here in Region 25. Yeah, and, you know, one of those, you know, the defending state champ, uh, Warren JFK, some people are really surprised. They've been struggling a little bit this year. You know, they lost a lot of players. Their defense last year was just so unbelievable. And, you know, when you lose that many kids and you're trying to replace them, you know, everyone expects a, just a repeat immediately. That's one of the hardest things in sports to do at any kind of level uh, is repeat. And when you are a defending champ, Every week, you're going to get, no matter who you play, you're going to get their best game. So uh, JFK has, you know, a target on their back. You know, I was really surprised. They lost this past week. Um, They lost, I believe, to Royal Imperial, a Canadian football team, uh, 27-22, which, you know, normally teams from this area will play those Canadian schools. They're kind of like that, you know, sacrificial lamb that comes up and, and, you know, you expect to win, but they were ready to play. And, you know, they knew that what they were getting, uh, you know, the, a state champ. And I think that they came to play and maybe JFK was looking ahead and they got shocked. But, you know, they're still in it. And, you know, they also control their own destiny. And teams that they've beaten this year have, have for them, fortunately, given them enough points to keep them in the mix. Yeah, you know, about these Canadians, I'll say this. Uh, these Canadian teams have uh, gotten a lot better in the last 10 oh, years. Yeah. And yeah. they're much more competitive than they used to be. Uh, like you mentioned, years before, you almost pencil in a 55-7 to t- seven game or something like that that would come in, and then they would go on, and they would win their five or six, seven games and give you a lot of uh, computer points with that victory. And that's one of the uh, – the opportunities that you look for when you schedule a, a school from out of town uh, to play. Uh, but I've seen a couple teams from Canada come into Northeast Ohio, and Western Pennsylvania lately and uh, walk away with victory. So I yeah. think the, I think the coaching and the players uh, from Ontario and that area of uh, Canada has uh, improved quite, quite a bit in the last uh, 10, 15 years. And they're not necessarily the pushovers they once were. You you really have to battle. As you mentioned, the Canadian team taking down JFK didn't hurt them too much. They're still number seven in the region. They're three and four. So if they can continue to win, 
they're going to have an opportunity to make the playoffs and defend their state title. Yeah, I, I hope they, that they can and make a playoffs. But, you know, I remember watching something not long ago on, on uh, TV about the teams in Canada and what they're doing is a lot of the coaches are coming here to America and they're going to big programs and colleges even and learning about the game of football. They're taking that knowledge back to Canada. Their kids are actually coming from Canada and going to big football camps here in the States. Uh, you know, they're getting very competitive up there. The sport of football has really started to grow internationally. Uh, you know, they're even playing football like in some of the, the Eastern uh, world, like Japan and China. And, you know, they're they're playing all over. So where you wouldn't expect it. So football is really being played. It's not just soccer now. It's it's actual American football being played all over the world. No, no question about it. Let's transition to the collegiate football uh, level as uh, the top 25 has a lot of great games this past week or this past Saturday, what game caught your eye the most? And uh, what's your thoughts so far as we uh, move into the uh, middle of the collegiate football season? Uh, there was actually quite a few games that that grabbed my fancy uh, yesterday. I was pleasantly surprised because I had made a bet yesterday with a good friend of mine that Michigan State was going to shock Michigan and beat them. And he so much as – put $100 down on the table and said, I will bet you $100 that Michigan will win. <laughs> and I took that bet and I said, D'Antonio, have him ready. And I was a little nervous, but I'm, I'm getting a bill. So I'm happy about that. I, was, I didn't even know till today because uh, I went to bed early last night. I wasn't feeling too well. So um, I was excited about that. Um, I was a little disappointed because I also – talked about last week on the radio with Mark um, that don't sleep on A&M. They have had the ability and shown over the, the last decade to play Alabama very well, and they gave them a scare. And I've been saying all season, uh, I think somebody is going to knock them off. I think that someone's going to shock them. And right now, you know, I mean, A&M, 27-19, uh, that's not much of a, of a di you know, big difference in score there. Uh, you got Georgia that is looking really strong. Uh, Florida's playing good football right now. So I think I really believe somebody's going to knock Alabama off. Uh, Ohio State looked really good against Maryland. Uh, I was glad Notre Dame won, even though uh, Wimbush, the quarterback, uh, was was taken out of the game. I think they're trying to let him heal up. They're off this week, and they'll have North Carolina State the following week, which I'll be at. And, uh, you know, North Carolina State has one of the better defenses in the nation, one of the better secondaries in the nation. Um, the Miami-Florida uh, Florida State game was a pretty good game yesterday. Miami finally got them back. They were on a, I believe, a seven or eight game losing streak to Florida State. So uh, Mark Richt is doing a really good job turning his alma mater around. Um, Auburn is Yeah. Yeah. I so. really enjoyed that Miami game. I've seen the ending of that one, and – uh, I've seen Florida State take the lead late in the game and then Miami coming right back down, and that was a a perfect pass to the end zone 
that yeah. that won that game for the uh, Hurricanes. I thought it was a a huge huge victory for them to stay undefeated to keep moving forward. Oh yeah, I mean, what a better way to win a huge rivalry game than in their house, your rival's house, winning the game in that kind of a fashion with seven seconds on the clock, no less. So that was heartbreaking for Florida State. But those are the kind of games that we all live for, Tim, as sports guys. Oh, exactly. And, oh, there's no yeah, question about it. You know, another team that that you know I always talk about plays so far above their shoulders you never expect when you hear the name of the school that they'll do well but for some reason Iowa State always plays well in big games and they played big and knocked off Oklahoma yesterday that was a monstrous upset yeah so I I was excited uh to see about that um Penn State still looking strong. Auburn is just, you know, dismantling teams. Gus Malzahn has got a good team this year. He does. Let's let's talk about Penn State for a second. They got overlooked last year in the playoffs. They won the Big Ten, and, of course, Ohio State got into the playoffs and, unfortunately, uh, laid an egg against Clemson as an Ohio State Buckeye fan here. But uh, truth of the matter is just Clemson was that much better. Uh, yeah. However, you know, and I know Penn State didn't do real well in the, in the uh, Rose Bowl, but this is a, a a team that has been really playing good football for a season and a half now. They're six and zero on a season. I know they played Northwestern. It's still a Big Ten school. I don't care. Anytime you play somebody within the Big Ten, you're you're playing a, a quality program. Uh, I think the Nittany Lions are maybe a team under the radar. I know they're ranked number four in the country. It's not like they're totally underneath. They're going to go up this week with Oklahoma's loss. So, you know, they, they're they putting themselves in great position. Uh, and they got Ohio State and Michigan coming up here shortly. Yeah, they do. They, they uh, you know, they laid a really big egg uh, against USC in the Rose Bowl. I was really disappointed. You saw, I'm sure you saw it. They, they dominated that game and just gave right. it away. Um, they, even though they are highly ranked right now, Tim, you, you said it, you know, they are being overlooked. I think that no one is taking them seriously. I think they just think maybe they're just an aberration waiting for them to lose. And for our sake, I hope when, you know, Ohio state plays them that we, you know, do to them what they did to us last year and that's beat us or beat them. And, uh, you know, I mean, they have right now the, um, leading candidate as of right now, um, and their running back, uh, Saquon Barkley, who's having an amazing season. Uh, but you know, their offensive line is playing good. Um, their defense is playing lights out. So uh, I think they're going to – the big, biggest game in the Big Ten this year will be Ohio State, Penn State. I think – I've been saying this all year. I think Michigan is overrated. I think Michigan State showed that yesterday. That you know, Even though it was a big win for them, I just think Michigan has gotten more love than they deserve. I see a lot of holes in their team. Um, but, yeah, well, that is a gauntlet, boy. I mean, the Big Ten is, without a doubt, in my opinion, uh, one of the top two conferences this year in, in, the, uh, in the land. I think that ACC and the Big Ten are the two best top to bottom. 
Of course, their SEC has really good teams, but I think number-wise, uh, the Big Ten and ACC have more. Um, so Penn State's got a task. I don't know if they can beat Ohio State, then Michigan, one week after another, then they will they will more than likely end up in the playoff. No, there's no question. I, I think we're into a treat here as the season progresses. But the ACC, as you mentioned, uh, is playing some really great football. And, you know, uh, a team that you talked about the last time we did a, a podcast together, and they continue to play great football, is North Carolina State. Uh, they defeated Louisville uh, you know, Saturday, 39-25, number 24, NC State, coming away with the victory over number 17, the Cardinals from Louisville. So. Uh, it was a big win for them again as they continue to uh, to show the, you know they're, they're they're a team to be reckoned with this season. Yeah, their defense is phenomenal. They have one of the absolute best defensive lines in the in the country. Um, actually, there is a defensive lineman for it was considered the best defensive lineman in the country for NC State. His last name just so happens to be Chubbs. His cousin just so happens to be the amazing running back with the same last name at Georgia. Okay. Yeah. All so, right. and apparently there's another cousin, his brother, the one from North Carolina State, who also is a very good player. Uh, I don't know if he's at North Carolina State, but there are three of them in the in the NCAA right now playing good ball. Um, so their secondary is excellent. Notre Dame is going to have their hands full with them in South Bend in, in, on the 28th of October. Um, Clemson actually struggled a little bit with Wake Forest yesterday. The final was 28-14, but the score was actually closer than that. We had just been singing praises of their quarterback at Clemson that it looked like you know they haven't missed a beat since winning the national championship. But uh, he he struggled last uh, last night, and you know Wake Forest mm -hmm. gave them everything that they could handle. Another team that I am very impressed with uh, is is Coach Leach, Mike Leach's team, Washington State. Uh, is playing lights out football right now. Coming off two big wins, they knocked off uh, Southern Cal last week, and they beat Oregon yesterday. Now I know Oregon isn't the Oregon of old, but you know it was in Oregon, and it's not easy to play there. And they they played really well, so they are looking like they more than likely are the number one team uh, out west. Yeah, I mean, you look at the teams out west. Obviously, uh, Stanford beat Utah. It was ranked number 20 this past week. And uh, Washington, the Huskies, continue to win. You know, they're 6-0 on the season. They defeated California 38-7. And, uh, you know, and you had to look at San Diego State. Uh, they continue to move up the ranks. They beat UNLV. You know, so they can, you know, I think there's some teams out west. Sometimes we forget about them being more East Coast bias, I think. But... Uh, I like you mentioned. I think Washington State is a team that, you know, is kind of under the radar, as you mentioned. Mike Leake has always been a good coach and has always done a great job anywhere he's been. So this is an opportunity, really, to uh, put the uh, Washington State back into the top twenty-five and and watch them make a run in maybe the Pac-12 this year. Yeah, and you know, you also mentioned I was going to mention Washington, their rival 
Uh, we'll see a great game in the Apple Cup when those two play. Um, you know, Washington is playing great football just like they did last year. Um, coach Peterson, who was a great coach at Boise State, moved on to Washington and has been doing wonderful. He was on game day yesterday, and he was talking about, you know, the one thing that that himself and his fellow coaches in the Pac-10 are not happy about is, you know, how much good football is being played out there. But they're not getting the props that they should because their games are being televised on the East Coast at 1045, 11 o'clock at night. And the majority of the voters in the playoff system host. So I, I agree with him. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's right. Um, he said, you know, we don't make up the decision that our game's going to be televised at that time. We would prefer uh, on West Coast time that at the latest our game, you know, is 1 or 3.30s. That way people at least can see our game on the East Coast within a reasonable time. But, you know, uh, people that vote should have the ability to see those games, and they're missing some darn good football. Oh, there's no question. You know, that's one of the, the toughest parts about raking uh, teams in college football is just to mention the time zone. I mean, you just, there's so many good teams. You can't, you can't watch 25 games every Saturday. It's just impossible. You catch highlights from here or there. You catch maybe two good quality games if you're lucky, if you're a fan, if you're – if you have the entire day or, but that's a long day in front of a television watching football, nothing wrong with that. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, and it could be a great day. It's just, you know, it's just difficult. And I don't think the writers themselves have that ability because they're usually at games covering somebody. And, you know, that's just, you know, the system is not the best. And quite honestly, the system of having uh, the coaches vote is even worse because the coaches, you know, they're, they care about the game they're coaching. They don't right. care about the game that's going on in Ohio or Pennsylvania or Oregon. They care about the game that they're coaching. So how the hell are they going to know that, you know, the Washington State's playing great football versus uh, a team like, you know, David, like, let's just, you know, like Clemson, for example, who's one of the top teams in the nation. Well, we know that because of reputation and what they did in the ball games and winning the national title last year. But, it's just no way to say that's yeah. that, that's going to happen. I mean, it's a difficult scenario. I understand, you know, it's great talk and it's fun, but it really does make you question how teams get ranked at the in the collegiate level. Yeah, and you know what? All we can really hope for is by the end of the year, um, as in some many years, you know, over the last decade, things sometimes do seem to work themselves out. Um, let's just hope that they do. Sometimes they get crazier though, but that's why we watch it. Um, you know, it's exciting and it's going to get more exciting. You know, there were two teams I neglected to mention, Tim, um, that have really also been, uh, impressing me. One, of course, and they're ranked highly, but people are, are, they're under the radar. I think people are not respecting them the way they should be is Wisconsin, Wisconsin's playing great football. And uh, also, um, UCF is playing decent football, but you know, University of Southern Florida, the Bulls, now they were off this week, 
But man, Charlie Strong has turned them around really fast and they are playing good football. So uh, Florida is, you know, not just a, a one or a two or three school uh, state. They've got, you know, five schools that play football. And yes, Florida State struggling this year. They lost their star quarterback. And, and you know, you can't be top dog year in and year out. But, you know, you're seeing parity down there. It's it's not just Florida, Miami, Florida State. You got USF and UCF are playing good. USF, I believe, might be either 19th or 16th. And uh, UCF is number 22. So, uh, you know, the Knights and the Bulls are playing good football. But, yeah, those Badgers are a proud program. And I really think people better start paying them some mind or they're going to start sneaking up on somebody really hard. And that's exactly what they do every year. They like to fly under the radar. And then the, when the when the chips are on the table, when it matters most, they come away with some big victories. So I yeah. agree with you. But uh, and, and the same thing with Florida. They Look, the just the state of a Florida has a great system of football where they have great high school football now because they have the population boom in the last you know, 25, 30 years. And uh, you've seen the, the emergence of some of these schools moving up to Division I over the last 25, 30 years. And, you know, for them to have four or five, maybe six teams ranked it's not, should not catch anybody's surprise because of the talent level, not just in Florida, but the, what they get to recruit from around the country. So I agree with you there. I mean, it's not a big surprise to see a UFC and, and South Florida and others uh, show their – their their ability to play football at the collegiate level at the at the top level and and compete for championships. Yeah, and like you just said, the boom and growth. Uh, we go down to Florida at least two three times a year, and um, we go and we spend some time in Orlando, and that is uh, Orlando and Columbus, Ohio, are two of the biggest cities right now experiencing the most growth. And Orlando, I mean, literally. We we were there, um, geez, we were there the last time we were there was February, and we had only been maybe there six months before, and the amount of buildings and things that had gone up just in six months was unreal. So uh, friends of ours that stayed down there, uh, you know Dick Angle, uh, legendary right. coach there, um, he he lives there, and he's just like, wow, it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And when you have influxes like that, you're going to get more athletes and better players. And uh, they're there, you know, you see how much they play in these uh, northeastern schools in the Midwest. They're all over the country. So, uh, yeah, they play good ball down there. And uh, it's it's good to see, like I said, it's good to see this parity going on. There's no question about it. As, uh, let's uh, transition to the NFL as we uh, keep going up the ladder here of uh, of football from high school to college down to the pro ranks in the NFL. We've seen some uh, interesting games today. Uh, me being a Browns fan, you being a Steelers fan, hasn't been the, the best of days. But uh, I will say this for the Browns. You're, there's a reason why you can't win ball games. It's because you never had anyone been there to bring this team through a victory. Experienced quarterbacks on this roster, and none of them have ever won a game in the NFL. I don't think that's ever been done 
where the backup or even a third-string quarterback has never had a victory in the NFL. And it showed today. They had opportunities to win. They had opportunities to score. They turned over the ball. They made bad plays when it mattered the most. Uh, They deserved to lose. It pissed me off because it was a game they should have won. Fortunately, they have a rookie kicker who missed two field goals. Uh, They had a 57-yard field goal go against them, and that was the difference in the game at the end of the first half. And, you know, there's there's a reason why the Browns are 0-5, and it has a lot to do with the inexperience this team has. It has some veterans on the offensive line. It has some veterans uh, on some of the defensive players. But it doesn't have veterans' leadership on the offensive side of the ball. It has a core that is very inexperienced, and it shows. And I think the Browns are, unfortunately, I didn't think about it at the beginning of the year, but it's going to be very difficult to win two games this year now. I thought the best opportunity was against Indianapolis and the New York Jets coming into the uh, the first five weeks of the season, and they lost them both. Officially concerned about the Browns winning a ball game uh, this season. I didn't think that was the case coming into the year. I thought we'd see some growth, but I don't see it. And uh, I'll let you uh, give your two cents in it. And then uh, real quickly, Ben Roethlisberger just didn't show up to the office today. He just had a terrible, terrible game. Yeah, uh, on the Browns, um, I I feel really bad for all of you Browns fans. Um, Preseason, things looked really promising. Um, The offensive line, as you said, has got some excellent players on it. Uh, You know, having a great line like that sets – a good precedent and and with a core like that it usually says good things about the way the season's going to go um but you know as you also put it when you don't have a quarterback that knows how to win a game it's hard to lead guys into winning games i thought they would have uh, won at least one to two by now especially with the jets on their schedule um i had talked that I honestly, and I did, I I am not afraid to admit it. I said that I thought the Browns would be capable of winning between five to seven games this year. And uh, I do not feel that way anymore. I think if they can win three games, that would be really a a productive. Yeah. So I hope they can for them. Uh, the players deserve it. The organization deserves it. They need to know what it feels like to win some games. Uh, I hope that they can. Um, I don't have much to say about the Steelers. I, I, I was so disappointed in what I saw today that I, I didn't get angry. I, I, you know, it's the football player in me. The majority of the time I am able to watch football uh through like a a clinical kind of point of view and watch the game technically. But, you know, with my teams, I do get fired up sometimes. Today, I just never once got really upset. I just sat back and watched what was going on, and I I took it in. And um, Pittsburgh does not play well. Obviously, everyone knows the way. Uh, Ben is having a horrible year. The offense is just so out of sync. He's throwing uh, poorly. He's throwing poorly, and uh, he really needs to 
find his his stride this year or there is no way that they are going to be headed back to the AFC championship game, much less even go back to the playoffs. Um, I felt good last week. I thought, you know, that win over the Ravens was a huge step for them. I thought that, you know, meant possibly, okay, here we go. We're back into, into our flow today. You know, I told a, a friend of mine today that I wasn't, you know, overly positive about this game. I was actually a little nervous because Jacksonville has got a pretty good team this year. They're playing good football. They and in games, I mean, they're three and two now. I mean, that's big for them for how horrible they've been in, in recent years. So they really not only, you know, won a big game, they just humiliated Pittsburgh. Um, you know, I was I was you know, upset with their defense. They let Fournette run all over them. He's a rookie. Uh, they should be ashamed of themselves, and I'm sure they are. So they've got a lot of work to do. Um, like I just said, if they want to make the playoffs, you know, I mean, there was all this talk preseason, you know, best team in the AFC looks to be Pittsburgh. They look like they're ready to go move on to number seven Super Bowl. And they aren't even close. So uh, no, both, no, both of our I agree teams, with you. they have a lot of work to do, Tim. They do. Uh, I guess the only solace I have is the Niners lost again, and it will be a battle between the Browns and the Niners. They don't play each other this year, I don't believe, so uh, they won't be able to uh, get a victory there, and the Niners are just as bad as the Browns are. Uh, like you mentioned, Jaguars showing their improvement this year. The Chargers came away with a victory. The Bengals – uh, they may just be turning a corner. They got off to a slow start this year, but they uh, beat the Bills today 20-16. to 16. That's a huge win for them as they uh, try to uh, move in the right right direction here in, in the uh, AFC North. Yeah, they definitely have looked strong the last couple of weeks. Um, I still think the best team in the AFC is the Chiefs. They They are a strong team. I don't know if they won today. They are right now leading 6 nothing against the Texans with about 11 minutes to play in the second quarter. Yeah, I, I until, you know, they lose, I still think they're the class of the AFC. I think Denver looks really good. Um, you know, Dallas, I don't know what they – are they – did they that game finish? They, they lost were, again. Yeah, they lost again. Dallas is in trouble. They, they let Green Bay come back on them, which – They had 35-31. They were winning that game at halftime. I think it was 21-7, 21-6. And I said to – we were at my mom's house. We were watching the game. And I said to my mom, because she knows how much I hate Dallas. And I said to her, I said, you know what, Mom? I said, Rodgers will come back on you in a heartbeat. So I'm glad to know that they came back and won there. Um Let's see who else is really surprising. You know, even though Tampa Bay lost to the Patriots the other night, I think they looked pretty good. If it wasn't for three missed field goals, they would have won that game. So right, I, right. Yeah, I think the Patriots are not as good as they usually are, and I think other teams are starting to play better. Um, I mean, you throw some out there, Tim, if you can think of any other ones right well, now. Well, you know, right now you got to give it up to the Ravens. They've uh... – they got off to a slow start, but they've turned things around. Uh, the Ravens, you know, won again. They beat the Raiders today, thirty to seventeen. Uh, I tell you, the team 
that I think who is showing their biggest uh, improvement uh, from one year to the next is the Eagles. And uh, Carson Wentz leading that team. They defeated the Cardinals today 34-7. to I mean, it was not even a close ball game. And they were just able to do whatever they wanted, both offensively and defensively in that game, and uh, really dominate uh, the Cardinals. And, and the Cardinals may be on the downward trend. Uh, they might be an older team getting too old for the NFL right now with Carlson Palmer leading the way. But and in and, and having Johnson injured, I know that's not the same team that you everyone thought they would be at the beginning of the year. But you got to give a lot of credit to what the Raven, uh, I mean, what the Eagles have done, and also to the Ravens. I mean, beating the Raiders today, I thought they did good. And and Seattle never want to count them out. They won. They beat the Rams sixteen to ten. Yeah, um, Seattle's playing better, and you know the Rams were were number one in there. Playing well. Yeah, so they were playing really well. Um, like I said, the Buccaneers, they. Uh, no, they didn't play. That wasn't today. That was the Patriots they lost to. Um, yeah, Chargers won. Against the Buccaneers on Thursday night. Yeah, Giants, you know, they, they are 0-5 right now to my buddy who lives in Long Island, Frankie uh, Fisher. Sorry, Frankie, but, you know, and then Odell Beckham went down with an ankle injury today. So that's not good. The Panthers won a big game against the Lions, who have been playing lights out football. Um, the Dolphins actually won a game against the Titans. I agree with you on the Eagles. They had a really big win today. Um, you know, we'll see about the Chiefs. I still think the Texans are one of those teams that are just right on that bubble of finding themselves and becoming a good football team. The defense is there. Yeah, and it's, the question is how much growth and how how consistent Watson can be as their quarterback, being mm -hmm. a rookie. I mean, all rookies usually hit a wall unless you're Dan Marino, you know, in the NFL as an NFL quarterback. And, and I think that's one of the problems the Browns, you know, to throw the the dagger their way with Kaiser, you know, being a rookie quarterback on a on a team that lacks leadership and lacks uh, veteran leadership, I should say, on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they may have a few offensive linemen, but you you literally look at your leadership in the NFL at your skilled positions, either your wideouts or your running backs or your quarterback. And the Browns are just young and inexperienced at all those positions. And I just I get back to that. You know, it's the same thing. And I get back to Watson. He's played well when he's given the opportunity. He's run the ball well as a runner. We'll have to wait and see if he can continue to grow. It's kind of difficult when you get down to it in the NFL to do that with a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I agree. But I'm going to tell you what, I have been really blown away by how well he's been playing. We might be watching the NFL's uh, rookie offensive rookie of the year in him as a long season. He's got a lot more to do. And, you know, you never know. Fournette's had a big game against Pittsburgh. There's other yeah, places. And, and, but, and Hunt, too. You don't want to forget about Kareem Hunt for the – for the Chiefs, yeah, you know, but about great. I, I'm just, I, I'm just blown away by how well he hasn't missed a beat since leaving Clemson. Um, so we'll see, we'll see how he does the rest of the night, and then we gotta, we got the Vikings and the Bears tomorrow night. Yeah, and unfortunately, as a Browns fan, I'll, I'll throw the dagger at myself. Uh, the Browns passed on Carson Wentz, and they passed on Watson. And, uh, you know, there might be a reason why you haven't won a game, only won one game in the last 20 
uh, one NFL football game. So, yeah, you know. it's it is what it is, and uh, it's it's frustrating to watch because I've now got to the point where I I see some talent on the Browns. You know, I think Njoko showed again uh, his ability to be a pass catcher and make plays as a tight end. Uh, I don't think they have a top 20 running back. I think they got a top 25 running back, 25 to 30 running back. And, you know, that's not good enough to help an offense. And, and their wide receivers are just – they're inexperienced and below average. And they may have caught some passes today. You know, they turned over the ball. With the, and you changed quarterbacks in the, in the second half. You went to another quarterback with a, actually less experience than Kaiser in total – quarters played so it, it's difficult it is what it is and uh i know i'm talking about the browns a lot but i'm getting it off my chest yeah <laughs> you, you know, know what? what but you know what it's just it's yeah it, i had expectations of seeing better football this year i know what they're trying to do going young and building talent getting as many as many talented players you can each year but sooner or later that talent has to mature enough to win and you made mistakes by letting certain veterans go to help a team win. And I don't know if the Browns can win this year without a veteran quarterback for Kaiser to talk to, you know, in between, you know, sets and series and someone to work with him during the football season. Uh, you know, they hoped that Josh McCown would be that guy as a quarterback coach and he wanted to play and he beats them today with the New York Jets. And, you know, that's the problem. I, they didn't go out and find themselves a legitimate NFL quarterback to back him up. And a game like today where you make a quarterback change, Hogan played well, but Hogan's not the answer. I mean, if you're going to play Kaiser, you're going to continue to play him. But you definitely need to find yourself a quarterback. And, you know, I know there's a lot of controversy around him, but I personally said this before the season began, season because of the same situation the Browns were in it with lack of, quarterback depth and experience there's Colin Kaepernick out there who's played over 50 started over 50 games in the NFL it's time the Browns step up the plate and uh, bring in a veteran quarterback to help this team out because if they don't 0-16 is a distinct possibility yeah I hope not you know I I think um the front office needs to just keep their nose out of the football part of coaching things a, a little more and try and let the coaches coach and, you know, have the coaches more involved in also picking the players on the team. When your front office who really are not football coaches are more involved with picking players on the team, then mistakes are just going to keep repeating themselves. And you're right, Tim. I mean, if you don't have somebody there that, that has been there and somebody that, uh, you know, Kaiser can't lean on and ask questions and you're going to keep repeating the sins of the past. Yeah. So I hope they find some, something to, to, you know, get things righted there. All right, Matt, I don't want to keep you much longer, Been a great night uh, talking football with you all the way from high school to the NFL. I'll let you make your final comments and then uh, we'll sign off. Uh, you know, it, it was an exciting week in college. I loved it. Um, I am looking really forward this week. Uh, Tim and I both have uh, two high school games. Thursday night, we have Howland at Niles. And then Friday night, 
we have Hubbard at Struthers. And uh, I think that especially that uh, Struthers and uh, Hubbard game should be good. Both teams seem like uh, they're going to be up you know, ready for a big game. That one's in Mahoning County. So you and I will get a little change of venue. We've been in Trumbull County all this time. Uh, So, and then with the Niles Howland game, that's an old rivalry goes way back. And, uh, you know, Niles is really struggling this year. They're uh, winless this year. Uh, So for them also, just like we talked about with the Ursuline Mooney game, when you play a rival, if you can at least, when you're having a bad year, uh, end the year and saying you at least beat your rival, that at least, you know, makes the hurt go away a little more. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I cannot wait to see how uh, college uh, goes this week. It's it's getting even more exciting every week. All right. Uh, that is Matt Hemp. This is the football show on Radio MVP. Just a reminder couple things to tell you about please if you get this podcast through itunes itunes excuse me please rate review and subscribe to our podcast more ratings and reviews we get the higher we go up and the easier it is for others to find us and that would be most appreciative five star ratings are are preferred and one or two sentence reviews would go a long way with all our podcasts and we'd I hope that you would take that opportunity and do that. And Anthony and I recorded a podcast earlier today for the Radio MVP Sports Podcast. That will be up. This one will be up here shortly. And, of course, the board show with highlights from our Z104 game between Boardman and Harding has just been posted, too. So three podcasts uh, have been recorded and will be up shortly here on Radio MVP. For Matt Amch, I'm Tim Constantine. We will talk to you again next week. Go ahead. Where you go. I just want to tell everybody out there also, you know, hit me up on, on Twitter at EMP 7172. And this Tuesday at 6 PM on 1240 AM, the CBS sister station that Tim and I are on for Z104, uh, 1240 AM, 6 PM, just football with Matt Amsh. Uh, my football show will be on. So, if you guys are in the listening area or you have the uh, app and you can listen, please listen on and I'd appreciate it. Don't forget, that's Matt Amps, Just Football, this from 6 to 7 p.m. on WBBW 1240. You can catch that on their app and live on Terrestrial Radio. For Matt Amps, I'm Tim Continenza. Have a great night, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.